better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the show. It's Christmas Eve. It's Battle of the Boards. Kyle, good morning. Battle of the Boards. First year that I yeah, first year that I knew what that is, right? Remember? Yeah, you didn't even start watching Game of Thrones till after the draft last year. Yeah, uh, like May 10th to July 5th. I crammed the whole thing in. Yeah, rip. Pour one out for Game of Thrones, man. So we did this. This is like our third or fourth year doing this. And you came up with like the name of the show. Was that based on Battle of the Bastards? Yes, it was. Very good. So when you did that Photoshop, you did you put my face over that what was that jerk? What's his name? Oh, um, no, I didn't put you over. I put you on uh, Samuel Tarley. Oh, well, thank you. It's you and I were Jon Snow and uh, Samuel Tarley. Who's that other guy that was just a jerk? Uh, I can't remember his name. Come on. You know, the guy that got eaten by his dogs. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Such a jerk. All right. Well, I guess I'd rather be Tarley than that guy. I wanted us to be friends, but like a little bit of a rivalry, I guess. So yeah, I see you gave yourself Jon Snow, you know, well, like, why would I not you when you Photoshop yourself, you're more than welcome to give yourself Jon Snow and give me Samuel Tharley. Yeah, well, you got to figure out how to do Photoshop first, right? Well, I figured out how to do audio editing and uh, you still do that on this podcast. And now there's a squatch call by me at the beginning of every episode. Oh. <laughs> what it, what new people like there's got to be people that don't listen all the time, you know, or, or new listeners. They got to think, well, what the hell is that? These guys are out of their minds. Yeah, we are. Hey, Joe, by the way, um, I need your help real quick before we get started on battle of the boards on offense. Okay. I made a commitment to the uh, TDM premium slack and a commitment to you. Uh, that my NFL draft coverage this year would somehow invoke the male romper that I purchased in anticipation of wearing it in Las Vegas for the draft. Okay. Obviously, we're not going to Las Vegas. No. So how do I implement the romp him into my draft coverage? I thought this was going to be like you had the plan. This is you need my help in coming up. No, 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 no. And I need to bring I don't want to let people down. And I promised I, I would. I have screenshots of the time you FaceTime me with that thing on. It's true. Yeah. Do you get a notification if you screenshot while you FaceTime? No. no. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Good to know. You idiot. You idiot. <laughs> well, you got you to gotta be aware of these things. You know what I mean? Some of these programs, you screenshot, they give a notification. You... Joe's going to be like, I remember that. That I'm going to remember that the next time I go away for two weeks for the Shrine and, and Senior Bowl when I'm FaceTiming with the missus. Right. Okay. You so dog. what are you supposed to do? I am not uh, super creative, so we might need to tap into the listeners. Oh, God. Uh, do you think I had something off the top of my head to suggest a, a oh, review? you'd be helpful. I think what we need is a um, – no, I think everyone's going to want your authentic reaction to the Dolphins pick at number five, right? The, whether it's Tua, Herbert, an offensive tackle, whatever they do. I think we need a full-body um, – 30 second to one minute video reaction of you in that romp him talking okay. about that pick. That's good. I can do that. Put it on. If, you have, if you have better ideas, let us know, but we got stuff to do today. Yeah. 
Well, I think the so goal is to see you in it, right? I I guess that's something people would want. Correct. And it, you know, look, very sexy you looked in it, Kyle. So no, you should be thanks, very excited man. about putting this blue and white camouflage romp him uh, on the internet. That'll be that'll be great for your brand. Well, it's on brand. So does Rob Ju- wait? Does does Rob Juden approve this? Is this within the social media guidelines of the Draft Network? Is this something it's, you're going to get in trouble for? Probably, but I All don't right. care. Well, we'll get we'll get the citation written up. You know, I don't care. Take the slap on the wrist, but it'll be worth it. Right. It's yeah. better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, offensive battle of the boards here. Yeah, I have my first talking point. Can I can I ask you this first? Yeah, go ahead. You know, this offensive tackle class was difficult to navigate through because it's so good at the top and we do not see it the same the top four the big four well we 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 see number one the same we see number one the same because we understand watching jedrick wills and that he's the best offensive tackle in the class that's not hard to come that that, to me that was the easy conclusion to come to now i have it thomas worfs becton you have it worfs becton thomas as your uh next three can you just tell me what those contributing factors in your mind was to get it in that order. Yeah, so Becton had about as high of a talent slash film score as you can get without being in the tier above the one he's graded in. And the same for Tristan Werfs. Andrew Thomas was a lower film score, but in the same bucket. Uh, And that ended up being the difference where you look at uh, their metrics and resumes and and Thomas had a great showing at the combine and he's experienced and all this and that. But like that's with how I do the grading, it's your score puts you into a bucket, but I don't disregard the discrepancy from like an 8.49 and an 8.00 and call it even, you know, that discrepancy gets rolled into what your final number grade is that you're assigned. So, uh, Becton, did not have the uh, complete athletic profile. He didn't do the full slew of testing, but his size-adjusted scores were through the roof. Andrew Thomas had excellent athletic testing, and uh, Tristan Wirfs had the best of the bunch. Yeah. But Thomas just being a low first-round film grade versus those other guys being closer to a top-10 film grade but not quite getting there, so they're all in the same bucket – that was the difference. It's interesting. I They span from four to 16 on my board. And on your board, they span from, uh, is it eight, eight to, to 24? 24. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, sort of different, but I mean, we, we not that crazy. Um, if you wanted my take on that, I would say for me, uh, I thought, I think Thomas is, is pretty clean as, um, a prospect in my view. Um, I, I think his measurables are obviously really good. I thought he tested well and I like his tape. I mean, I think he's, I love Wills, but I think in most years, Andrew Thomas would probably be my OT one. Yeah. And, and I would say this too. It's like, I've been on the record since what October saying that I like Andrew Thomas a lot. Yeah. And I would be thrilled if my team walked away with him in the first round of the draft. But I do think he, he does have some more pass set, limitations that you know you I wouldn't love him as the fit in Tampa I would get it and I think he's got the length to make it work yeah 
but I think his true strength is in the run game. For and sure. Know, yeah. He's a better you know run I mean? blocker than he is pass blocker. Yeah. And, and that for me was, was yeah. one of the reasons why his film score was in the same tier, but slightly lower than both Becton and Worfs. I like his experience at both left and right tackle, obviously in a pro style scheme at Georgia playing against the sec. Like those are his, and I'm a doubles guy, you know, like I, I love high floor prospects and I, and that's Andrew Thomas. And I think that's why Becton's my four because I mean, look in yeah, the right, the highest, he's the highest risk of the, of the group. Yeah. And I think that's why he's at the bottom for me and, and he's 16 on my board. So I like him a ton. It's just like, if you told me there was one of them that it just wasn't going to work out, it's Becton who, you know, look, his, really only had one year of meaningful production. I mean, he's insanely large and he moves insanely well for his size. He moves well for an offensive tackle without his size, right? Like just offensive tackles. Now you factor in his size and it's like, holy shnikes, this guy can move. And it's like, if you ask him to do a bunch of vertical sets, like I just feel like, yeah, he's a ton to get around, but there's, there's some technique stuff that I think has to happen there. And, and, and so I guess he's got the biggest bust potential, which I hate saying at this point. And he makes me nervous in that regard. But I mean, if you can get him in Miami with a horizontal, horizontal offense, pass offense with a power run game, mixing in some sprint, some play action, like that's, mm-hmm. that is like, yeah, do that in the top 10. It's but what, interesting. But what's, it, but what's interesting with that is Miami, Chris Greer has typically been risk averse with his early picks. So, so if, when did he if, become if, GM if, though? He picked uh, 20, Charles Harris. He, he did. And lo and behold, that was the one that didn't work out. Right. Yeah. So he's like Christian Wilkins, super high floor. Minka, super um, high floor. And Tunsil 2016. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so th- those are his four first. Those are the four that he's made. Yeah. And Harris. Okay. Yeah. yeah I see what you're saying. So it's like he liked, so that's why I, for me personally, if I'm building off Miami's criteria, Beckton's probably one. Yeah. But based off of Greer's own tendencies, I would probably lean that Thomas would get favored over, and he's the one that is getting buzz for Miami. Yeah, makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Can we acknowledge that? Maybe you don't agree with me. I think Worfs from a technique perspective needs the most work. Hmm. I think his foot, his pass sets are weird to me. He's willing his to get pa- horizontal quick. He is, and, and he I can like, of, like he's got the athleticism to to do that. But man, it makes me nervous. Well, and that that's what I was going to come back to is it's for him like he's more of a rapid. Tell me if you agree with this that he's more of a rapid fire stepper with yeah. his feet than yeah. like that traditional drive catch and taking a lot of depth right to stay framed right. So like. Yeah from that perspective, I can see why people want to say, okay, you know, I'm going to put you inside at guard where you don't have as much ground to cover. And I'm going to protect you from your almost lack of, or your hesitancy to drive catch and get that outside foot to really take distance. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's reasonable, uh, but he is an elite athlete too. And I understand, you know, I never saw functional strength issues as far as, somebody flat backing him or running straight through him. So it's one of those things. It's like a quarterback, right? Like if a quarterback's throwing motion isn't detrimental and it works. Yeah. Why would you try and change it just because it's not what the textbook says it's supposed to look like? Do you feel that's clean to apply to a tackle? 
if you're the kind of athlete that Tristan Wirfs is, yeah, it's about maybe. as good as I'm going to feel about it. Sure. I, but th- for me, I think that's why he's three, for you, you know, and I think some people have him one or two. So. And he's going to be OT one tomorrow. Did I talk myself into that earlier today? <laughs> or are you, you trying should. to just get me spinning? You should. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess the floor is yours. Oh, the floor is mine. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Uh, talk to me about the how you – let's keep it on the big uglies right now while we're here. Talk to me about the depth that you perceive on this interior offensive line group because I'm down here in top 100 guys. You got Shane Lemieux snuck in here. Tyler Beattis snuck in here. Uh, so s- sell me on the depth here because I'm more of the school of thought that you're not really getting a lot of value on the interior offensive line on day two. I guess that's a big disagreement that we have. Um, I really like, and I know that you do. I know you like Lemieux and you like Bredesen. Uh, maybe not as much as I do in terms of where they Shame. fall on your board. Shame. <laughs> well, I, Shame. look, I Another guess Game for, of Thrones reference, man. Yeah, I, I know that. Uh, that was Shame. a great scene. Uh, I can't remember any of their names right now, but I, I felt great joy Shame. when I saw that woman walking through the streets being shamed. Cersei. Cersei. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, I I think a third round grade is a guy that I believe is a, is a starter, you know, that I think could start year, you know, within year one, year two, and into your offensive line has proven to be a spot where you can get starters uh, in the middle rounds. And and in, in years past, like last year, I really loved Eric McCoy, uh, Elgin Jenkins, Dalton Risner. I had uh, McCoy and Risner's first round grades. Those three were really good rookie starters. And I think I, I believed in myself a bit with these interior offensive linemen in terms of guys that when I look at the seven or eight that are going to be week one rookie starters next year and have good seasons, I was like, let me, I believe I can find those guys. And so as I got to this list and I came to guys like Shane Lemieux from Oregon, Ben Bredesen from Michigan. Well, Robert I, Hunt. I like Shane Lemieux, by the way. He's, yeah, he's no, no, no. 34 for me in a, a fourth round grade. But, sure. But I, I mean, ahead. and actually Shane Lemieux is a fourth round grade for me too. So if, I mean, you know, we're not, we're not off there. Um, I just feel and like these had, guys are and you, had, you had 99 first through third round grades, correct? So he was your top graded fourth round player. That's exactly right. 79.9 is the highest fourth round grade you can have. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd take him in the third round. I would at later fourth, third round. I just feel like they're starters, man. And, and maybe some of them are scheme specific guys, but if I can get a starter in the third round and that's my criteria for a third round pick, like let's go. I, that's, that's what it comes down to. For hey, me. Here's, here's my philosophical block with a lot of these guys. Uh, my top 100 interior offensive linemen were Ruiz, Hennessy, Jonah Jackson, Cushenberry, which we both agreed on. Mm-hmm. Robert Hunt, we both agreed on. And I had Bredesen and Nick Harris sneak in at like 98 and 99. Um, like Shane Lemieux, Damian Lewis, Michael Nguyenu, Tyler Biatish, even John Simpson to a lesser degree. I liked a lot of these guys' tape. But if you're going to get a plug-in starter, you can't have some of the lapses that these guys had at times. In my opinion, for so for like if you bet 90% on your plays, you know, you have all the tools to be batting 98%, but if you're only batting 90%, that's that's a lot of plays that you've taken off the rails as an interior offensive lineman. 
And I just saw too many instances that those were obviously approximations of percentages, but like, mm-hmm. I just thought there were too many of like the red flag reps because I think back to the, and maybe I'm overcorrecting a little bit, but I think back to Michael Dieter last year, right? Loved him. Yeah. Loved his tape. He was a top 50 player for me, mm-hmm. but he had red, red flag reps on his tape and he comes to Miami and he was swimming and granted, He's got trash next to him in Daniel Kilgore at center, and he's got a revolving door next to him at left tackle. They started like five different guys at left tackle throughout the course of the season. So, like, I get the stability wasn't there, and ideally your weakest length was being asked to be the staple on the left side of the offensive line, and that got messy. But, like, Joe, he was stepping the wrong way on plays, on interior runs, stepping opposite of everybody else in the line of scrimmage. So that's, I guess I'm just a little apprehensive of like Shane Lemieux. I really liked Damian Lewis. I really liked, I, I used to carry a, it coming into the season. I carried a first round grade in Tyler Beattis. And of course he's a little bit different because he's got some medical issues. Yeah. But these guys, like they have all the tools to be plug in starters, but I watch your tape and I'm like, mm, I just don't think I can buy into you being a super high value. And when you play a low value position, like offensive guard, like, that knocked them down my board a bit. Okay. Is it four back to me? It is. I want to talk about running backs because, man, you love this running back class. And one thing I discovered, I don't remember why. For some reason, we were digging through, like, old draft boards. Um, oh, as we were making – we were writing the uh, the team guides for uh, TDN Premium, which everyone – look, if you don't have a TDN Premium membership and you Shame. haven't read our team guide – Yeah, Shame. Shane, for real. I mean, these things are <laughs> – Awesome. You can get it and you can read a ton of really good information. And so we were going through, we were using your draft guides in the past as like a reference point uh, to get some background information because you'd already done the work and it was right there. And so, you know, I'm spending a lot of time in like your, your 15, 16, 17, 18 draft guides and I'm pulling information and naturally I'm in there just poking around, seeing what kind of crap I can dig up. And I'm like, yo, Kyle's good at scouting running backs. Like you, you have an eye for it. It's something that I think you've had some very impressive hits on. Even guys that you've had very high on your board have turned out to be really, really good starting running backs in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. that, maybe at the time people said, "Holy shit, guy! Like, what are you doing with with that?" And it's like, well, let's let's talk about that now, right? So you have this range here where J.K. Dobbins is what player thirteen on your board, thirteen, yep, and you've got five running backs within your top thirty-eight. I mean, this you must be through the moon over these running backs this year. Yeah, it's, and that's where it gets really complicated, right? Because it's like, if you told me hypothetically, you were a team drafting in the back 10 picks of the first round and you draft JK Dobbins, he's my 13th overall player. And that has a little bit of positional value in that ranking too. Mm-hmm. And he's still player 13. Mm-hmm. So like, You'd be conflicted. You'd be really happy you got a good player. But then at the same time, you'd be a little apprehensive because of positional value of the running back and, and the rookie wage scale and what you're going to have to pay him and, and what your return on investment is long-term versus if you get a, a good player somewhere else. And, like, it gets really messy. But I've got 13, 22, 23, 26, and 38. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's where my brain works as a GM. I have Clyde Edwards Hiller as my RB5, and it feels sinful to say that because of how good his season was. He's my 38th overall player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, I, if I could take J.K. Dobbins at 18 
or I can take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 38. Which one are you taking? The one at 38. Every single time. And now the whole league's going to think that way. Yeah. So when does RB1 come off the board? RB1 might come off the board at 39 when Miami picks. It's a good chance. Yeah, I'd bet on that. So what what does that bottleneck do? So these rankings, they're going to look really aggressive, right? Because they're really highly rated players. I got three top 25 running backs on my overall big board this year. People are going to look at that and say, well, yeah, man, like running backs don't go that early. But I'm not evaluating it through the scope of predicting what the NFL is going to do. By the way, we put out a predictive top 100, which we're really excited about at draftnetwork.com. You can swing over and check that out ahead of tomorrow's first round. But um, yeah, the the depth is really good. And I feel really good of about my options of landing one of these top running backs. Buffalo at 54, you know, could see two of these running backs available between Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor, I think are the two most likely guys that would be available. Yeah. I think they'd be home runs, but like that's, you're going to see a discrepancy in my running back rankings versus how they actually yeah. come off the board. But you're right. I love the top of this running back class, but it puts you in an interesting conflict when you talk about where, where they, they actually stack up and what their actual value is. You think one of them's available for the chiefs at 64 or whatever they're picking. They all go in the second round. All of them. I think, I think Akers has a chance to get outside the second round. I want that's I want the Bills to pick him at fifty four. There it is. I'm on record. You like Cam? Yeah, especially for what the Bills are looking for in their their backup running back. I mean, yeah. Jonathan Taylor would be my dream. I I just feel like I should detach myself from that. And Cam Akers is the realistic one. You got forty nine. Forty nine. I mean, yeah. So I I mean I like the running back last two. They span from twenty three to forty nine on my board. Um, and the next one's 86 or 85 sack Moss. Yeah, so I have, I've, a, I've, I've got that big drop off too. my net, my drop off from 38 to 75. And then I've is got, it Moss for your RB six? It is. Okay. Yep. And then I've got, Eno Benjamin 79 and then another big drop to 120. Eno is a player we're real different on. Cause I have him 158 on my board and you have him 79. 79. I mean, that's, a, that's pretty good gap there. What, what do you love about Eno Benjamin? I like um, he runs a lot bigger than his size. I think he's got great contact balance. Yeah, he's way smaller than we thought, right? Five. Yeah, yeah, but, but he ran, he ran, and like he played at that size, which tells you he plays way above his weight class, right? Because yeah. we were in, we were in Indy, and I'm I'm talking to somebody who was familiar with Eno and uh, his pre-draft process, and he kind of like gave me the eyebrows. He's like, "Yeah, like you didn't think he was that small, did you?" He's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just how he plays. So, like, it's not like he cut a ton of weight. So, I like his contact balance. I like his creativity uh, in space with the ball in his hands. He's a little bit more of a niche back for me. I don't think he's a – I think these first five are, like, bell cows. Mm-hmm. You could be – you could literally use them to be the featured back in your offense if you needed to. Um, Eno's not – in that mold for me, but I do like what he brings as far as yards after contact and what he can do in space. I'm reading the first sentence of my scouting report of him. And man, you'd think I'd love this guy. Elite ability to string together moves and remain in control of his frame through aggressive cuts. <laughs> Sounds <Yeah>. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I think where I, I got turned off a bit from Eno's tape is that I felt like he was like 
always looking to be very creative. And it's just like, I didn't see enough C3 get three from him as I would have liked. So I, I think, think that's if you, fair. He, he looked to, he looked to bounce a lot of plays. Yeah. I think if you told me he was like, your, if you told me my, your lead back was like a premier guy, then yeah, let's go. But if you're looking for a one, a one B, that's where I think I get nervous about Benjamin and pushed him down for me. Yeah. Floor is okay. mine. It is yours. Yeah. I'm trying to open up your individual wide receiver rankings and the website's not cooperating. Wow. So I sent you a beautiful spreadsheet. It's color coded. You can sort by positions. When's this? Last night. You can check your emails. No, I know you did. Check my emails. Trevor Sycama. Trevor Sycama, millennial of millennials. The man cannot. Well, he's done better, but his emails have been a challenge for him. Here I am calling out coworkers. Oh, I got it. 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 Hey, by the way, should we spoil another pick? Well, Ben put out his ben mock draft. That's fine. We can spoil somebody else's. Well, Jordan's isn't in the back end. Trevor's isn't in the back end. And it's just That's mine true. and yours, which aren't done. Spoiler alert. Trevor gave Joe Burrow to the Bengals. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing. Literally, it's a blank spreadsheet. <laughs> One Cincinnati Joe Burrow. Nothing else on the damn yeah, thing. Nice job, guys. God <laughs> damn it. At least ours are like the skeleton's done and all my analysis is done. I just need to find out what I'm moving off of the rest of the day before I switch. Right. Yeah, I got to I gotta figure out which which of these picks I'm going to bail on because I got it all lined up and I'm going to be like, no. Oh, look at this. You did color code it. That's so nice. Yeah, it's, those are the round grades. Okay, so um, how hard for, for it was you to stop watching wide receivers? Very because hard. It's like for all the players you have in these tiers, there's probably like two more guys in tiers below that could have made a case for it. And then there's like a slew of wide receivers that are like four five and six round guys. I did 33 of them. I didn't get to the other kid from Rhode Island uh, as a Parker. Yeah, I didn't get to, I wanted to do Lawrence cager. Didn't get to him. Um, I'm sure there's more. I was glad I got to Darnell Mooney, though. I'm a big fan. I'm reading I didn't the do board. Joe, I didn't do Joe Reed. Oh, Kyle. One of my crushes, man. Joe, Joe Reed. I understand that, Joe, but I did 38 wide receivers. I know. Those would have been two I would have included. Okay, well, tell me which names to take off here. Because I did, I excuse me, I did 40 wide receivers, and I did not give out a single UDFA grade. Oh. Uh, I didn't in my 33. I didn't either. I'm going to look at your specific wide receiver rankings now. So it's like I had how many? Whoa, whoa, you really have Chase Claypool is 28? Yeah, I don't think he's a very smart football player. Ooh, where is he on your board? Claypool? Yes. 185? This is the guy where you have put like your flag down. This is the one he's going to go like in the top, what 75 picks for sure. I'm sure he will. He's, he's not for me. It's the same yeah. answer. I'm going to give every, every time. Okay. I'm not going to say he's going to be terrible, right? He's not for me. Okay. So here, the, I understand that. And I really, I appreciate that angle, obviously, because we do this line of work together. If you saw a path to success for chase Claypool to have a good career, to justify being selected, call it late second, early third round, what yeah. factors need to be in place for you to think him think he could be the most successful? Put him on the Darren Waller plan. 
It's a tight end, a flex hybrid tight end. Yeah. No separation in this man's football game. I don't I mean, think I, I'm not sitting here all. arguing with that. I'm not. I don't so. think I don't think he runs routes very well. Um, he is an absolute physical freak in all the best ways possible. <laughs> but from a football IQ perspective and and technique and route running and setting up defensive backs and creating larger throwing windows for his quarter, like I didn't see any of it. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't see any of it. He's a good blocker. So put th- him in the slot, play big slot slash flex tight end. I think there's two receivers that you and I are both universally lower on than most. And their names are KJ Hill from Ohio state and Colin Johnson from Texas. Yeah. I got them stacked back to back at 23 and 24 in my wide receiver rankings. Yeah. They're 23 and 30 for me. Ooh, Colin Johnson, 30. Yeah. He's I mean, having nightmares admit, about Meek Robertson still. I'll tell you that. Yeah. When you get bullied by five nine one eighty five or whatever he is, and you're you know? six six whatever. <laughs> you know, Colin. Geez. It's Colin. It, it's a movements, uh, movement skill thing for me that I just I'm not really sold on short area quickness. So and his, his acceleration skills, and it's like you you've seen guys that have come in and have six or like stuck on a fifty three band roster. Like I think he's going to be a rosterable player and. Like you think of like Alan Lazard is a good example of like a player in this mold, right? Yeah. Lazard made the, is, is on the Packers. Lazard is, I'm pretty sure I've saw Green Bay run an end around in the preseason <laughs> to Alan Lazard, by the way, which I wouldn't endorse trying or with Colin Johnson. But, um, just kind of struck me as somewhat of like a stale athlete as far as what yeah. he's able to bring as a route runner to create separation for himself. He's leggy with gradual speed and segmented change direction skills. I, I can't, you know? Okay. Where do you have Prochet on this list? Uh, respect. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I got, I got Prochet at uh one wide receiver 20. He's what for what a wide receiver 20 for me. Wow. Okay, cool. Uh, not thrilled with the Isaiah Coulter slander. Yeah, he didn't move the needle for me. I wanted to see, I mean, I saw the ball skills. Uh, I don't know. I didn't feel like he was like an elite separator at Rhode Island. Maybe you don't like that. I said that, but I, it's the way I feel. <laughs> All right, and then the last one for wide receivers that I want to ask you about is a name that both of us are really low on in okay. comparison to the consensus. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins. Okay. Um, did I ruin did I ruin him for you because I comped him to Isaiah Ford? Um, I don't I don't know if I would say you ruined him for me because I, I think I do a pretty good job of stripping away everything I've been told about a player when I when I pull him up. Um why can I not find his report? Because I had some good notes on him. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins. Imagine thinking I could spell Isaiah correctly. Uh, here wow. it is. Okay. So um, it's releases. It's getting off the line of scrimmage. He is extremely slow getting off the line of scrimmage. I don't think he's going to be able to beat press coverage with any sort of consistency. Very modest play speed. I don't think he has great separation quickness. Um, he's going to be reliant completely on technique to get open in the NFL. And 
I think some of the routes that you want him to run, you talk about the horizontal plane working back to the football. I don't see the agility and suddenness to really get that done. So like, yeah, I love the hands. Those are amazing. I love the body control, the contested catchability, adjustments, ball skills. All that stuff is great. I just feel like he's kind of a limited big slot that um, will have some challenges creating separation. So that's not something I value, that type of player. Okay. Floor is yours. Oh, I didn't realize it was back to me. Um, we've we've talked a lot. Uh, should we should we do the quarter? Is like, can we talk like late quarterbacks? Sure, we can do that. Um, I mean, we know the the big names in this class, but like, as you get towards the the lower tier, like, do any of these guys excite you? Like, if you if you had to, if you said you have to draft one in the fourth round. Who's the one that you're going after? It sounds like it's it's probably Anthony Gordon for you. It is, yeah. It's it's the same thing as some of the promise that I saw from Gardner Minshew last year, uh, and we've talked a lot, ironically, about what Mike Leach has changed and what he looks for in his quarterbacks. Uh, Gordon, I think, gives you plenty of arm talent. I like James Morgan from FIU as well. Um, I'm a little higher on Gordon just because I think he wins easier outside of structure. And that's like a big thing for me over the course of the last few years, as you see the guys that come in and they have success, they're all guys that can win outside of structure. When things go sideways, they have composure, they thrive in the chaos. And James Morgan, Morgan doesn't do a great job of that. Whereas I think Anthony Gordon has some of his best reps in those areas. So he would be that day three developmental guy for me. I I see we both sort of kind of like Tyler Huntley. Yeah, man. How did this dude not get in combine him? Like? Hell if I know. Hell if I know. Uh, I mean, what, he set the record for completion percentage last year at Utah, and he's like slung the ball down the field a ton. Like he's got good vertical. He was, he was one of the skills. better quarterbacks at the Shrine this year too. Was he? I didn't, obviously I wasn't there. Uh, I don't think he has great like velocity on deep outs, but he can get distance on the ball. Um, and when you think, I mean, I've said this before, my backup quarterback, I want that ability to make some big plays, whether that's with your legs or throwing the ball down the field. Like Tyler Huntley is that guy. Like that's so much more interesting to me than Nate Stanley. Right. Why is Nate Stanley attracted? Because you can put him in and hand the ball off 10 straight times and then right. pat him on the ass and say, nice job. Oh, Nate Stanley just does not move the needle for me in any way, shape, or form. I, I mean, has he ever made an aggressive throw in his life? Uh, into coverage. <laughs> to the Pri- other team. Oh, I just can't. Yeah. Just, just... Steven Montez and, and Nate Stanley were just like, what are we doing here? Did you see my comp for Huntley? No. Who'd you put? Trevon Boykin. Yeah, I think that's good. I think Vernon Adams is another good one that I like for him. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Vernon Adams is probably going to mirror Boykin fell a lot further because of off the field stuff. And obviously he's battled some off the field stuff since passing through the draft process. But like, I dare you to go back and watch Trevon Boykin's TCU tape and not think he was an NFL quarterback. And that's the same way I feel about Tyler Huntley. Like he might not win in traditional NFL quarterback ways, but there's never been a better time to have really athletic guy with a reasonable arm who makes plays happen down the field and has good deep ball accuracy. 
than right now. And that's that same guy Tyler Hundley is. Well, Boykin was rostered for a while until he. Yeah, know, he had the 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 run-ins that really cost him. But like, very he, yeah. he was their he was their backup quarterback for a while. Yeah. Yep. So, what? Where are we at with Cole McDonald? <laughs> I, he's more interesting to me than Nate Stanley or Steven Montez, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's what same, it comes down same to. Same here. Um, I mean, Likewise. he makes some splashy throws down the field. I mean, he's got size and athleticism. I mean, he's plenty of arm talent. I mean, that's interesting enough. He's a better player than like a Tyree Jackson, in my view. Um, you get concerned about the transition that he has ahead of himself. I mean, I, I've never seen a throwing motion like his. Really weird. Um, but, I mean, the physical tools are there. That's interesting as a if you're going to roster three quarterbacks or stash a guy in the practice squad. Again, more interesting to me than some of these you know, the Stanleys and the Montezes of the world. All right. I have one thing that I want to do with you right now, because we thrive in this podcast with this concept every year with conflict. Okay. Okay. So I just slacked you, Tyler Jaggy, put together a consensus board from a bunch of people across the spaces. Like Dane Brew was in here, PFF, Jeremiah, McShay, Brant, Zerloin, Trapasso, Pauline, uh, Crabs, Marino, Draft Tech, Walter Football, Hayden Winks, Fanspeak, uh, Steve, Matt Miller, Jeff Legwold, The Ringer, like a bunch of people. Yep. Have I bought you enough time to open this up now? Yeah, I've seen this too as well. So Yeah, so we're side by side here. Oh, that's nice of them. Uh, although I don't know who Kyler Krabs is. <laughs> Me neither. He sounds Tyler, like a... Tyler, Tyler. got sounds... my name wrong. Idiots. He sounds hideous. All right. So we do have uh, what this spotlights is it's color coded and it shows players that you are highest on and mm-hmm. players that you are lowest on inside the NFL's top 50 prospects based on this collection for a consensus board. Okay. So you are the highest on Jedrick Wills. You have an OT one and player number four. Good take, Joe. Good take. I uh, I am highest on CD Lamb. I have him player five. You have him player ten. I'm looking for other players offensively that are of relevance in this conversation. J.K. Dobbins, I have 13th. You have 23. Caesar Ruiz, you have 20th. You are the highest. Yeah. Far, far and away. Good take, Joe. Good take. Oh, man. Uh, we got to yell at Fantasy Pros. They they didn't have him in the top 200. Come on. Oh, my. I don't know who Fantasy Pros is, but I'm sorry Neither to see do I. That. We're yeah. going we're gonna to scrap with him, though. Um, and then the only player, the only players offensively that I am the lowest on, you are the lowest on no one. <laughs> I am lowest on uh, Andrew Thomas. I am 24th. And I am lowest on Michael Pittman. I have 143. Yeah, Claypool and Pittman are just not your guys. No, and I thought Claypool or or Pittman, he made so many great plays down the field on the ball, but I just couldn't get that Utah game out of my head where it's like he feasted in that game and it's because Utah secondary had no idea how to take an angle. Hi, Julian Blackman. Why don't you just name names, Kyle? Holy cow, man. I watched that tape. I had to text you. I was like, brother, I don't know how to redeem this tape. It's like, okay, there I'm at, I'm 20 yards in the defensive backfield and they're throwing the ball 30 yards down the field. (laughs) What degree angle should I take? Zero runs straight to the sideline and then try and get into the trail behind. 
Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's the worst tape I've seen all year by a player. Yes, that was without question the worst individual game performance. But like that, like I get why there's appeal on Michael Pittman. Can you sell me on Michael Pittman real quick before we sign off? I like him. Um, real quick, I one of the other worst tape that I've seen all year is. Um, Iowa defensive tackle number 75. I watched him play that game like three different times against uh, like seen him play against Jonah Jackson, like, or uh, the, the Michigan kids. And the guy just got balled around the whole field over and over again. Um, so Michael Pittman, body control, uh, size, physicality. Um, I think if you want him on the vertical plane, I like his ball skills. He doesn't drop anything like literally never drops a football. Um, I think, yeah, I'm not going to ask him to snap off quick routes or run the horizontal plane, but in a, in a much lighter way, man, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to say that. That's I think, smart. I don't know what you were going with, but it's probably best to just bite your tongue there. I think there's a path for him to be successful as an ex receiver on day two. In whose footsteps? Cause that's where you were going to go. Nope, and then you I'm not, I'm not saying it. No, no, I love it. All right. Here's so here's one for you. I got his mock draft of the web up comparable wide receivers that are not also in the 2020 NFL draft class. For Hank Mike basket Pittman? for yeah. Michael Pittman, Hank basket, Limus Swede, Rod Gardner, Corey Davis, Mac Hollins, PK Sam and Travis Wilson. Hey, you gave some first round picks there, man. Yeah, how many first round values did I get as far as performance on the field? Hey, do Chase Claypool. Okay, I'll do Chase Claypool. I want to know is it Calvin Johnson, DK Metcalf, Julio Jones? Oh God, here you go, Joe. Yeah, there's there's two good football players on this list. Three oh, good football players. On tell this us, list. John Baldwin, first round pick. Legudu uh, Legudu Nene. You know him. Yeah, Miami Dolphin training camp legend. Yeah. Alan Lazard. Stud. Andre Johnson. Oh, Hall of Famer. 80% match. Vincent Jackson, 78% match. Baller. Cody Latimer, Ricardo Lewis, Moritz Boehringer, and Robert Davis. And then Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. Do Jerry Judy. No. (laughs) I'll do Jerry Judy. Hold on. Oh God. Oh, here you right. go. Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen. Oh, there's the redeeming one on there. All yeah. Right. There's, there's a redeeming one here. Uh, Jonathan Holland, Tallman Gardner, Adam Thielen, Byron Pringle, Taj Smith, Johnny Lee Higgins, Lavernius Colts. There's another one. Okay. All right. Yeah. D Milner or D Miller, Laterrence Dunbar and Jaqueen Inglacius. Yeah, right. one more CD. We'll get CD in while we're, while we're here. Yeah, just bury the entire receiver class while we're at it. Here. here you go. All right, sick. Your Julian number- Blackman, okay. Chris Hannon, Chris Brown, <laughs> Anthony Lucas, Marlon Brown, Van Jefferson, Dre Sanderson, Steve Breston, Jake Schifano, well, D. Miller. You counting on literally nobody like him has ever been successful in the NFL. Go get CD Lamb. That's not true. Who's good on that list? Uh, give me a minute <laughs> here. If you go to Julian Blackman's, who is his number one comp, his number two comp was, or his number three comp was Reggie Wayne. Yeah. Seven. What is this? The seven degrees of, uh, and then Jeremy Macklin's on there too. Jeremy Macklin. He chose crab legs over chicken wings. I can't, I can't support him. Yeah, we're fine here. Do you ever do that? It's like the, uh, seven degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon, but you do it with, uh, 
mock draftable spider web charts to I've, find a comp you like. <laughs> I've never done it. I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've done it in the movie world. I used to work in yeah, movie rentals. No, so, so you open up a, a player's mock draftable and you're looking for a comp you like. And it's like, well, first of all, I don't know who half these dudes are. So I'm a spider web out. So I'm going to go, I'm going to click the top match and look at his comps and see if there's anybody that comps to him because he was the top comp to the guy you're trying to comp in the first place. <laughs> see if you get and, a name that rings a bell. Yes. That's how you, that's how you do 300 player comparisons every year, by the way. <laughs> little, little industry trade secret. I give up after out. about 150. <laughs> yeah, well. My dumbass advertise. Oh, I'm do comps for top 300 players, like a real idiot. So, almost as bad as the free money. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, what a great time to sign off. Now that I got a radio spot. Thanks for bringing up free money Thursdays on us here. <laughs> Kyle Crab signing off. Battle of the boards coming back tomorrow for the defensive side of the ball. Thanks for listening, to Draft Dudes. Tomorrow is first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. Get hype. I know we are. So we'll talk with you again tomorrow.